sand through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to the longest days of our lives, a 24 fan cast. I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer, super fan, Mike Cushing. And I'm another one of your hosts, 24 kind of newbie, Curtis Perry. And by the beard of Bauer, I am Michael Howard. Yeah, let's, we're going to get into that beard, but mm-hmm. guys, welcome to season two of the hit show 24. Hey, yo. God damn it. <laughs> Curtis, I know you're not happy to be here. <laughs> Spoiler but, alert. Uh, Terry's well, not in this season. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> her, her presence looms large. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Over yeah. the entirety of this first episode, mm. and then likely to be ignored for the rest of the season. Great. Great. Just, yeah. just forget about her. That's fine. That's okay. okay. So, obviously, a lot of things going on. It's 8 a.m. on uh, some random day. Mm. We don't even know what day mm-hmm. it is. It's a year It's a year and change after season one. We found uh, out later it's a Saturday, though. It's it a is Saturday. a Saturday, and it's 18 yeah. months later, according to the DVD release. Oh, baby. 18 months. Okay. So, okay. we start. Okay. We, we hear that it's, Jack tells us it's 8 a.m. Right. But we open at midnight in Seoul, South Korea. Clever. Very clever. I like yes. it. Yeah, so we got a tiny clock right off the bat, which, uh, get to drinking, mm-hmm. fellas. Um, so, Curtis, when you saw that this episode opens <laughs> in South Korea, were you immediately worried that we were just going to have another loose end on our hands? Yep, I was like, I was like so we're going to open up in Asia again, you're not going to tell me shit. God, fuck you, 24. <laughs> I was wrong. To, yeah, um, to be fair, they actually resolved this one. They did, but, real um, quick. Real quick. Yeah. Um, we, Can we talk, what, was anybody able to research what was, what, what Homeboy's feet were in? Uh, so, yeah, so let's, let's get to that real quick. So, uh, we open, we see the skyline of, uh, Seoul, South Korea. Uh, we see a car pull up to a warehouse and then we cut inside the warehouse where a, uh, young Korean man is being actively electrocuted on some sort of horrible, horrible torture rack. Uh, his eyeballs are clamped open. His feet and hands are, he's laying in some sort of apparatus and his hands are, appear to be in bags of orange juice. Yeah, they're they're going ham on him. Like I was under the impression that they do like one torture technique at a time, but they were just like, you know, we don't have time for this. Let's do all of them. Every single torture technique we have at once. To be fair, and- when when this loose end gets tied up for this scene, it, it, I'm not an advocate for torture. But you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes for something like this. <laughs> and it works! Like it always does. Yeah, so the thing is, they had his eyes open, they were electrocuting him, and they had his hands and feet in or bag juice, of yep. liquid. <laughs> um, he was on, he was on like a modern day, you know, stretching rack. Um, and he, they also were mentioning something about like the dosage being correct, so he's also drugged. And like, um, so someone, he's being interrogated <laughs> by a man and a woman, uh, and he's not saying anything. And then finally he starts talking after, uh, a woman who's apparently named Mina says, talk and the pain will stop. Tell me when. And then he whispers to her and then she talks to her other interrogator and he runs through the warehouse to a small room where four white dudes are sitting around a table <laughs> and they say, In like when? the smallest closet ever. The smallest closet in just like a smoky room. They're mm. all just sweating because it's Asia, I guess, and you just have to sweat. And Perfect. they ask, one of them asks, when? And he says, today. Boom, uh, and they say, get me Rayburn. God damn it. No. Okay, let me back up a little we bit. We found him. Let me back up a little bit first. Um, cause, so I I think I, I've named this torture appropriately. 
Um, if you'll recall, the greatest name for a penalty in the history of football is uh, give him the business. <laughs> and I believe the gentleman <laughs> is getting the business. Um, so <laughs> all of the, all of the business. He has signed up for the full on business license. And when I heard when I heard for when I heard them go get Rayburn, I was you got to be f- finally Rayburn. Fuck you, man. Where were you? Yeah, where were you? He's apparently, he got up, a, apparently, apparently, he got a couple promotions. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, but this man was definitely well, he getting single handedly saved Palmer and everything <laughs> last time working at that's, CTU. So that's I mean, true. He, he earned it. He got Mason's promotion. That's so fucked up, man. Yeah, we learned we learned a little bit about that. Mason is pretty salty about it. Um, but this man, who we later learn his name, Jason Park, uh, is getting the invisible hand of the market all up in his business. And uh, we get another tiny clock. It is 8.02. And we cut to Lake Oswego, Oregon, where your best friend and mine, President David Palmer, mm-hmm. is... Having a little fishing trip with his son Keith. President Palmer. Somehow Keith is still still out of jail. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so <laughs> Keith's not in jail. They don't really address that. And David asks him what he wants to do today after they talk a little bit about uh, Nicole not being there and Sherry not being there. And I think I think Keith also suggested this at some point in season one. <laughs> that he just like he just wants to watch a movie. Yeah, he says let's let's grab a movie. In season one, though, he said let's watch some tube. That's right. He did, so, tube. he did ask yeah, for but tube. Then, uh, yeah, and then Palmer answers him by saying, you can't come all this way to watch a video? <laughs> watch a video. <laughs> yeah, and after all the trouble Keith got into last season, like, seems like a very enterprising young man, lo- loves a good adventure. Um, he's he's kind of a couch potato when yep. you get right down to it. It seems odd. Hey, um, he did what he had to do. He got good vengeance for his sister, and uh, now he just wants to sit around a little bit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, watch... Watch a Star War. Um, <laughs> so David asks Keith how Sherry. Tube. David asks uh, Keith how Sherry is doing, and uh, he just says, "Well, uh, you know, she puts on a happy face, but I know she's hurting." Uh, so obviously, David and Sherry not talking. <laughs> a lot of distance between them. Um, like, I'm not, do you I'm think like, they're what? separated and or divorced, well, or are we just yeah. think they're estranged? I'm like, is 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 she not first lady? I mean, otherwise, she wouldn't be salty. She wouldn't give a shit. I don't think she would care if David t- looked at her anyway she before he's in that White House. So I'm, I'm pretty sure she, she appears she, to be not, not the, the first lady. Yeah, that sucks, uh, man. Yeah. But you know she what? She did not make it don't to the White try House. try to sacrifice a child, uh, Sherry, and uh, you'd been good. Yeah. You know? You, you went from boss <laughs> it's a, it's to a psycho. It's easy. It's a <laughs> yeah. The, the flow chart on that one is sacrifice child, yes, no. Become first lady, yes, no. It's pretty easy. Yeah. Um, hey, guys, I figured it out. Mm-hmm. The reason that Palmer fired Patty is because you can't sleep with your subordinates and your employees. So he fired her and then he banged her. And now she's the first lady. Is that how that works? He probably asked her for references, though. (laughs) And unfortunately, no one, including him, could give one for her to be his girlfriend. So... That's probably rough. Um, so as David and Keith continue to talk, uh, the Secret Service agent, who's also just hanging out in the boat with them, uh, gets some news in his ears, earpiece and tells David that they need to leave right now because there's the situation. Um, and then we cut to a house where a small uh, child, who we learn is named Megan, is running through a house screaming. Um, she runs into a bedroom and hides she's under like the a, covers of a bed. Like a baby Kim. Right. Yeah. Mini Kim. Actually, everyone in this family, other than Gary, 
looks like that's Kim. what i was kind of like i was no. like why is there why you have a blonde blonde wife blonde kim and you know i'm not gonna yeah. say whatever she's doing but a, and, and a blonde kim. oh god it's cre- no no they're, yeah oh, nope it's so, all terrible he's got so we type. see a small child run into a room she hides under, under the bed and we see her father chasing after her um but not before we see kim bauer wearing just a tank top and no pants mm-hmm. um, step it. out of the bathroom and say what are you doing in my bed to the the young girl and then the dad comes in and kim like Retreats to the bathroom, but like at no point puts on pants or closes the door. She just or kind closes of hides the behind door. The she just brushes her teeth. Um, so the dad, who we learn is named Gary Matheson, enters, and uh, him and Kim have a little exchange, like you know, kind of playing with the kid. There seems to have a pretty good relationship with his daughter. Um, but the daughter of Megan runs off again, and Gary kind of uh, sits on the bed and just sort of stares at Kim in the God, bathroom. Real creepy. Real, real creepy, bruh. Yeah. Um, just you got, but guys, don't don't see that Kim. Kim's in her room, and this child comes in. She's not wearing pants. It's not her responsibility to get pants. It's his responsibility to not be a fucking creep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, he, he needs to get out of the, the room. Like when he saw her, he shouldn't have just been like, "Oh, yeah. Kim." Like he should have been like, "I'm so sorry. Let me back out exactly. of this room that is not mine." Yeah. 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 A lot. Gary. Gary seems already. Uh, <laughs> like your initial impression is like, "Oh, what a good dad. He's having fun with his daughter." Oh, no, he's a fucking creep. Yeah, media. There are no good Garys. Uh, what are you talking? No. Um, oh, God damn it. I, I love him. And he, he plays the... Uh, uh, he played Gary Jim Gordon. Shanley. No, he played Jim Gordon. He's great with that's accents. that's what two R's. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, thank you. Okay, he's all right, yeah. Gary Oldman's good, all right. Yeah. There's probably one or two other good ones. Gary Goldman's um, a fine comedian. He seems okay. Yeah, he has a good cookie joke. Um, yeah, I think, and this one, given everything that happened in Hollywood today, this, like, is real. I spent, mo- real I spent a good bit of the day on Twitter just being disgusted and, and everything. And then I saw this episode and I was like, oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> um, so, sorry, one second. Um, so he kind of looks at her for a little too long and then he gets called away and runs off. Um, and we cut back to the Palmers. Uh, David and Keith are back on the shore, uh, holding a whole bunch of fish. And I'm sure David at some point in the next couple of years will tell people how he, how he caught a 10 foot bass in that lake one day and, uh, he caught a bear handed for, for DePaul. It was actually a fishing competition where he came in and caught the three point fish at the end. No, he didn't, totally he, didn't catch it, he didn't catch it barehanded. He used bear hands to catch those fish. <laughs> Killed a bear. You'd use that bear's hands to catch some fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. the bear aboard the boat as well. He's a man. He's 40. So Also, my he, son broke all the laws and should be in jail. So Yeah, um, no one mentions that, but he says that, you know, he's disappointed because he misses hanging out with his dad, which seems so you never, impossible. You never really did hang out with your dad, it seems like, though. Like, yeah. You know, you hated him, remember? You like, yeah. you like Dr. Ferragamo was your, was your surrogate father. Which is, the one person who understood. Right. So, um, but yeah, sure. No, man, I get it. Maybe you did earlier in your life. Maybe he was actually there um, and not a horrible person. So Yeah. And we learned that uh, there should be a presidential retreat later in the day that uh, David and Keith uh, will reunite at. Uh, Keith is looking forward to it. Um, so he gets David gets pulled aside by one of his aides uh, who tells him that the threat is pretty serious because uh, she hasn't been briefed, but. To my knowledge, no president has been re- rerouted by the NSA on a morning off, which can't sure. simply can't I be true. I find it to be right? complete horseshit. Yeah, I, I hope yeah. that's not the case. 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> I hope we're not. Simply, guys, simply can't be a serious true. threat. But he's off this morning. You know that. Oh, can't call him in. Well, better let him. Better gonna, let him fish. Yeah, what are you going to do, man? He's got fishing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, now he's golfing. Well, you know what? Let's just solve this on our own. Maybe that's a good idea. <laughs> we we can't fuck it up any more than he will. So. So we get our second tiny clock of the episode is 8.06. Please take a drink. We cut back to Mr. Tony Almeida, uh, everyone's personal hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has He's walking through CTU. Uh, can we missing, pour one missing out? Missing a port oh. and... Yeah, Michael, please. I was like, can we, can we pour one out it's, for his, his soul patch? It's gone. The, the Tony patch? It's gone, yo. Mm-hmm. New patch. Yeah. New patch. Pour, pour one out for your boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we meet a character who I had... Simply forgotten how much I hated uh, back in the when I first see, uh, watched the show was instantly horrendously reminded. We meet uh, Paula Schaefer, Darlene, about Darlene, Darlene. Darlene. <laughs> we meet Miss Paula Schaefer, a IT analyst at uh, CTU. Um, Does the Roseanne theory uh, hold any water, Curtis, or is it just no, the Law and Order theory? But, but this Law and, this episode is full of people I saw in Law and Order, and I was like, I don't trust. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so Paula, at some point in this episode, says some shit. I'm just like, okay, mole. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Can I um, have all the information to everything? Thanks. So literally. Every every named character that we meet at CTU in this episode tells Paula to buzz off because she's trying too hard. Mm-hmm. The first being Tony here because uh, she tells him that she didn't know how he liked his intel presented chronologically or alphabetically. Uh, so she did both. And Tony doesn't seem to care, um, but it doesn't matter. So she did it both ways, um, which I got to think you'd want it chronologically, right? Yeah. Like yeah, you were trying to understand how, you wanted to understand how something was occurring. You're like. <laughs> Give me a, give me the time order, please. Um, Dude, you so, want it with the by the Dewey Decimal System? I did that way too, <laughs> just in case. I have a personal filing system that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Tony lost his soul patch. Um, George Mason walks out sporting a, a nice tight beard. He looks like um, shit. Let's be <laughs> yeah. He looks a little rough. Um, his eyes like, are puffy. He yeah. still hasn't slept. <laughs> Damn. It. Which you can, we tell him, we can tell in a moment that he's uh, not too happy. Um, so Paula is still spouting some shitty techno babble about sim technology, and Mason pretty much tells her to stop talking and buzz off, and she does. Um, and Tony tells him that a division called; be, they want to set up a meeting for next month to go over a proposal for LAX security upgrades. And Mason just says, "Tony, I tell you what: if I'm still here this time next year, take me out back and shoot me." I'm supposed to be in D.C. by now, not chasing little old ladies with metal detectors. I got, I got to, I got to ask y'all, how the fuck did 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 the CTU manage to save all the people except for Terry, and and yet Mason gets demoted to Jack's job? Yeah. So <laughs> at in, during this season one, Palmer pretty much bribed Mason to help Jack by saying, "If you do this, I'll make sure you're in you're in a uh, D.C. within six months." If it's been 18 months, I can understand why Mason is a little salty about about his job prospects well, okay, at the wait moment so, and so looking the, like so the shit. the election happened, so the last one happened during the primary, which is in March, right? Mm-hmm. So you got uh, six months to the election, or what is it, nine months to the election in November? Yeah. Um, but then he wouldn't have taken office till, till January. January, so I mean... It's, so he had it's, 10 months, basically, to from... Yeah. Season one to the inauguration, and then another eight months where he 
Things should have been changing for George Mason at this point. <laughs> you know, he's he's getting there. He's he's had the thing with with Sherry that I mean that's probably taken a while, you know. And then he's got the fish. Yeah, it seems stuff. like guys pretty having a leisurely afternoon on Lake Oswego. It seems like Ray, Ray <laughs> George Mason is dragging his feet on some things. Rayburn mm-hmm, likes to show yeah. up late. We know this. He probably sent the promotion over, but it Rayburn got it, and then he spilled some jelly donut on mm-hmm. it, and it. Whole thing is big mix up. Yeah. Um, well, as Mason, you know, complains about this, uh, Tony takes a, a big old sip out of his uh, Chicago Cubs mug. Um, Just no. is Tony and, is Tony Almeida? So Tony Almeida is a Cubs fan, but he is he a Cubs fan because. Uh, the actor is a Cubs fan. And so just Carlos decided? Bernard is from Chicago. Oh, okay, so okay. he just kind of threw that in there, a little flavor. Yeah, and this is back when it was when it was when it was not cool to be a Cubs fan, though. So I, I'll give it to him. You know, now all these fucking bandwagoners jumping on in my city. I don't like it. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to they're adding these new ladies to the CTU lineup. It, it appears. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, tell us about the new agent we meet. She walks over to Tony Almeida. I did not write her name down for some reason because I think she's a fucking mole. Sorry. I'm Michelle Dessler. I don't trust Michelle Dessler. I don't trust nobody. I put Rico it I, put, I literally put it down in my notes as mole one and mole two. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, she walks over and tells Mason that Eric Rayburn's office at the NSA has an urgent request for him and they need he, they need him to take care of it right away. So Mason tells an aide named Eileen to get him Rayburn, who is with who he believes is with the president in Oregon. And Michelle walks over to Tony to tell him that the NSA wants them to bring in Jack Bauer, who we learn is inactive. And in a split screen, we see a shabby man in flannel walking down the street. He approaches a car. He turns his glorious lion head and we see Jack Bauer sporting a righteous beard. He looks, he looks great. Down the street. He, looks he looks fucking majestic. Yeah, not not the biggest fan of that beard. I'm not gonna lie. Leonine. Just you gotta you gotta tighten it up. You go full shag or you tighten it up all the way. He's he's, he's, not, in, he's in between. How dare you? He's at homeless. Yeah, he's yeah he's he's got the the hair is grown out. The beard is grown out. He's wearing a flannel jacket. Like plus plus if he if he had grown the beard out fully, he would have been chopping his own flavor from his uh, three musketeers look, which was pretty fantastic. So by the way, I love that. Can't, I, I, can't I step on his own face. That movie. Um, so that movie fucking rules. Yeah. All, like Oliver Platt in that film Correct. is one of the, he is he is I, uh, Porthos. He just that's just his, that's who he is, man. That's who that character is. Sorry, is Oliver Platt. You can you can suck it otherwise. I mean, I I regularly tell people some gifts are I receive from the Tsarina of Tokyo on a <laughs> on a general basis. So it's a great film. Um, so Jack gets in a car and drives off. And as we see Jack drive away, we also see David Palmer in a car looking out the window as he approaches the Northwest Regional Operations Center with a big military escort. Uh, he gets out. He asks his aide to reschedule his day, and we learn that. He was supposed to visit a wildlife preserve, tour the new Nike campus, and give a speech about clean energy to the Regent Club. Um, and David says he wants to give the speech, but cancel whatever she needs to cancel. Okay, see, I'm. You know what? This is Mike proves Michael's point perfectly, and it also lets me know what kind of dude um, that David Palmer is. You're supposed to be a basketball player, right? A former basketball player, and you decide to go speak at the University of Oregon instead of touring the Nike campus. Also, yeah. 
I'm I'm not going to be completely, you know, racial here, y'all. I'm a black dude, but I know a lot of black dudes who have given the opportunity to go to Nike. Yeah, I'm going to Nike. I don't know. Cancel. <laughs> but the speech is about clean out. I don't. Can I get Jordans at UO? Will they give me free J's? No. Yeah. Step. <laughs> yeah. Can I get Air Palmers and also yeah. give a, a talk on clean energy at the Nike campus? Right. I, who gives a shit where I talk about clean energy? No, no one's going to report it anyway. You know that Phil Knight has some sweet fucking oh, J's God, waiting for him it. with a nice presidential seal on them. They got Palmer written on the... God, they would be did, so didn't sweet. He go to, you know he went to Georgetown, right? Yeah. Oh, they got the cool grays. And, oh, yeah. Fuck, yep. yeah. No, no guys. Hey, guys, no. Here's the thing. <laughs> Season two is all just one big conspiracy. David Palmer knew he was going to go to the Nike campus today. <laughs> he knew his fraudulent buzzer-beating shot was shit. <laughs> if he went to the Nike campus, God, probably have to make him shoot a J. Shoot a little three-pointer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't want to embarrass himself in front of the nation, in front of God and country. This whole plot is David Palmer just like, can't, I can't. They'll, <laughs> the they'll know. Games. They'll know it, I, it was a fluke. It's true. I would have I would have Prince there passing the ball to shoot the J. Shoot it. I need to miss. I'm okay. I bet yeah, he I'm dribbles. Good. I bet he dribbles like Stanley from the office. <laughs> <laughs> we all just did that at the same time. <laughs> oh, um, because our listeners can, can see it so well. <laughs> you know what we were doing um, so as he and his aide walk down uh, the stairs into the facility someone off screen who we learn is Eric Rayburn says I don't think you're going to have time for any of that and uh, this guy looks like a real fucking weasel can mm-hmm. I say that yep he fails a lot of say it uh, this guy yeah 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 he's also the bad guy in Beverly Hills Cop 3 Fun yeah, this shit. guy's been the bad guy in most everything he's ever been in. He <laughs> well, just he has looks one like of those... a fucking douche nozzle sleaze bag. Yeah, he was also in the X Files. Uh, he's just a bad man. He's just a bad man. I wonder if he's had an episode of Law and Order under his under his belt there. Okay, uh, Law and Order Criminal Intent. Does that oh, count? Oh, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was also in Quantum Leap, though. So mm-hmm. points in his favor. Um, so. He gets in an elevator. Palmer gets in an elevator with Rayburn, who tells him that the threat is very serious. And they are our representatives from all branches of the military, the FBI and CIA, waiting for David uh, in his kind of super cool underground it's bunker. Pretty fucking badass. It, yeah. I hope he has one of those, like, in every state. Yeah, it's kind of fucking. Yeah, dope. dude, I want one. Just want, I, don't mm-hmm. care if, I don't care if the, the maps on the border like, are real. As long as there's something on those screens, it's going to be pretty dope. I like it. Yeah. Um, so he, he sits down with everyone, including a, a woman named Lynn Kresge, who appears to be some sort of high ranking, uh, cabinet member. Um, again, though, this lady does definitely not, uh, pass the, uh, the law and order yeah, test. No, She's I, been I, in I, some shit. Thing, I know this actress by name already. Michelle Forbes, I, I've seen her in so many things. I don't know whether to trust her because she, she's either really awesome or just the worst in every role she has. There's no middle ground to her. So I, I don't fucking know. I don't like it. In in most everything I've seen, she's uh, she was in Battlestar Galactica, for instance. She's yep. like a a well-meaning <laughs> character who is put put in the the path of our protagonist, who eventually needs to be bulldozed <laughs> through. Um, so um, I'm curious yeah. um, about about Lynn Kresge here. Um, we learn that Rayburn tells us that this information has been triple sourced, which I just assume that means they tortured that one guy three times <laughs> until he said the same thing. Um, 
<laughs> you guys want to tell me what Rayburn tells David? Uh, there, that there, Do you forget? there is no, no. Uh, yeah, I forgot the plot of the season, Miss <laughs> <laughs> President. There is a nuclear device in Los Angeles. It's going to be detonated today. Today. Yeah, under terrorist control. You under forgot terrorist that part. control. Yeah. So already we've elevated the stakes. Yeah. From last yeah, season. One, two, two dudes. You know, all the dudes. <laughs> all, many, many mans. All, all of LA. Yeah, they do the uh, casualty threat assessment later, but um, which, by it, the way, that it could be real that, bad. That's also threat real assessment. Wrong. Real wrong. It seems it's a little on like, the low end of low. things. Just we'll, yeah. we'll get into that. Casualties on that day, sure. But yeah. just the cancer and all the other things. Um, nope. Because <laughs> so, yeah. um, they cover Las Vegas in that map, too. And it's like, mm, yeah, that also sucks. Uh, it's a lot of people. So anyway. Yeah. yeah. So David asks, how do we know this? Uh, rather than going into a lot of detail about uh, torturing a, a poor young Asian or- man. Orange um, juice feet and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so, guys, remember how I said I'm pretty sure season two of 24 didn't lean super hard in the paint on brown terrorists. Bring in the Muslims. Um, I was wrong because um, Rayburn explains that a suicide bomber named Mahmoud Rashid Fahim faked his own death in preparation for the attack that he's been planning for two years and that they were able to break down a witness uh, who gave them the information. It says they only realized this man was alive because they were also doing uh, surveillance on, on someone in France named Jason Park, and they caught him on camera by coincidence. Okay. And they grabbed this man, Jason, to extract everything we could. One thing. One, I was, I'm sorry, two things. One, I was right, Kush, about the, about the Muslims. You were, you were right. Two, yep. two. This dude faked his own death, right, via suicide bomb. Mm-hmm. And the way they catch him is fucking gallivanting in France with it. Like, it's not even, he's not hiding at all. He's no, out. He's, he's out didn't change his face. His own, like, no fake beard, just with his face, just out in the fucking sunlight, just chilling. Like, didn't grow Ibiza. an actual like, beard like, like Keith. <laughs> Keith grew a beard. Also, you know what? I don't think you get the title of suicide bomber if you're not suiciding. Well, you yeah. can't be like a known suicide you're bomber. You're just a bomber. You're just, yeah, because yeah. like, they, you're known once. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it. Like you it, can't it, be alive. Yeah, no one's suicide. Make it seem bomber. like that's his career. Like he's right. he's a, he's a five time suicide bomber. Well, then he's failed, <laughs> right? Like that. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell if they were trying to say like he's he makes the bombs for suicide, and then like this one, he just decides like this one's for me. Yeah. I'm gonna do this one. It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. weird to call someone who's alive a suicide bomber. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, I was a kamikaze pilot. Flew three missions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I was good at it. <laughs> um, so, oh shit! I'm gonna crash. Eject. <laughs> <laughs> um, Holy so, shit! Did you guys know this bomb's about to explode? I gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do? I left the vest and it blew yeah. up. Wait, that's an option? No, not for you guys. Just for me. I did because no. I was doing a test run. I didn't think it was gonna. Y'all, y'all stay there. When you do it. Did you know that these things explode even if you're not wearing them? It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, they're just just bombs. (laughs) (laughs) You can plant your bombs. Put them right in your ground. (laughs) You can plant them right right in your ground. They they still go off. Mm -hmm. Virgins weird me out. Uh, I don't know. Mm. 
Um, so Rayburn tells everyone in the room that uh, he's sharing information, but everything will be run through the NSA, which I don't think that's how things work on American <laughs> soil. Um, but he tells everyone that a new splinter group called Second Wave is responsible for uh, planning this attack. And it's not officially recognized or affiliated by any Middle Eastern states. And David says, unofficially? And Rayburn hands him a dossier. And David kind of sucks his teeth and tells Lynn to get the prime minister on the phone. I do, and she goes off to do that. Do you have to have a secret dossier in the fucking secured military base? Yeah. Like, you're already having a meeting with all your, all your top people. And you're like, no, hold on a minute. <laughs> Got top, top yeah, secret. This, you guys can't see this I feel, shit. I mean, they obviously did it because they don't want to, like pick out a middle eastern country but like yeah love make random. up one make up one come on well, give, us, give is, us a uh, funny name apparently though it is just the prime minister of, of afghanistan they don't ever name him but like that's or they don't name him in this episode but that's who it is really yeah it like at least according to the the wikia um that makes that makes um what palmer says later in this episode real stupid yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, remember, Afghanistan is the one country that fucking told Genghis Khan to go fuck himself and actually did it. <laughs> anyway. Afghanistan is the one country that has told everyone on the goddamn planet it's, it's, to go fuck themselves and then, ev- and then eventually did it. <laughs> on a long enough timeline, yep. the conquerability of Afghanistan rather comes consistent. to zero. <laughs> yeah. Um... Let's see, sorry. Beep, 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 beep. Wait, um, so, the, so Afghanistan has a president and a prime minister? No, wait. Right now or no. back then? <laughs> right now. Well, so does Russia. That doesn't mean anything. But who's the actual, who's in charge? The prime minister's the head of, of, uh, of Congress and the president's the head of state. Huh. It's, oh, it says the prime minister of Afghanistan is a currently defunct post in the Afghan government. No. Well, like, because if you think about it, so in Russia, Putin's the president, and um, now Medvedev is the prime minister. And it was flipped when Medvedev was the president. It's like hmm. being the secretary, or the, the, the speaker of the house. It really doesn't, you know, whatever. Well, apparently it's been abolished. The, the prime minister, the position of prime minister in Afghanistan has been abolished. Well, there have been some, there have been some political changes um, in <laughs> Afghanistan since 2002, Michael. Um, I don't know hashtag why particularly. Nation, hashtag nation building, <laughs> my dude. Um, so we see a clock at 8.12. It's not a tiny clock. Um, apparently this is the only first- 8.12? Yes, it's 8.12. We've been talking for uh, God knows how long. Oh, 32 minutes. Hey, we're doing it. It's a, um, it's a loud clock. It's a loud clock. Uh, I believe this was one of the first 24 episodes brought to you commercial free by Ford, Ford. Motor Company. <laughs> and uh, we see Jack's Ford Expedition a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 8.12. Uh, we see Gary's wife, Carla, who looks a shit ton like Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's making breakfast for everyone, tells Kim to look out for a package that she's expecting later in the day. Says Kim is the best nanny ever, which I doubt that fucking very much. Correct. And then Gary oh, comes out of nowhere and like they, he starts kissing his wife yeah. and then just like looks at Kim and starts grabbing Carla's butt. Yeah. Guys. And I'm really fucking weirded out by this dude. I mean, I, uh, wrote, I wrote this in, in the notes at this point in time. I'm like, why did they put Kim in a Lifetime movie this season? I don't need this. Yeah. It's Yeah, weird. so we'll get into that. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know what's going on with Gary, but, so his wife leaves, and then Gary makes himself, he pours himself a coffee while Kim and Megan eat breakfast, and he just says, 
hey, Kim, you know what? You've got a great body. You work out. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> and she just says, not really. I like to swim. And it, like, doesn't seem phased by it, which I guess is, you know, she's just kind of def- defending herself by just not reacting Kim to is, it. Kim which is comes 17. And your child is there. Like, well, no, it's it's eighteen months later, so she's. But no, she was fifteen, she was 15. to sixteen, maybe oh, sixteen. Really? Season, yeah, she's still. Wait, so she's a, wait, she can't be a nanny if she's not even. She's a high school dropout. Can't, you can't if you're if you if you're out of high school and your father fucking abandons you. But still, like that's he's discuss. It's that your kids yeah, there. Is, your daughter is there. Yeah, Kim is at most eight, barely eighteen, uh, if depending on timelines. And yeah, this is fucking gross as shit. It's it's just, it's just it's just real it's real. Also, um, you know, I, I I I hate how in in TV shows and movies they depict the drinking of coffee that comes out of the pot. You're not drinking a whole chug of coffee out of the pot, bro. You're gonna burn your mouth out. Okay, you sip it. <laughs> sip sip sip. He just, I mean, all things considered, it probably better. It Gary just burned his fucking head out. I'd be, yeah, it'd been great. Um, yeah. So we see David Palmer on the phone with the Prime Minister of uh, Blank Country, mm-hmm. uh, and Prime well, Minister. Can I tell you one more thing about the Prime Minister of uh, Afghanistan? Give us some sure, some, some tidbits, Michael. Apparently, the the last Prime Minister of Afghanistan before it was abolished was only Prime Minister for ten days before he was killed in an aircraft crash, and then they abolished the the Prime Ministership. Was it a crash, or did we shoot it down? Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not I mean uh, hell. <laughs> I'm not saying who I'm not saying who crashed it, but we done it, yeah. didn't we? We we done yeah. we done done it, didn't we? Yeah. We did it. <laughs> um so David tells the Prime Minister of Afghanistan, maybe? Uh tell me about second wave. And the guy says, Well, my government firmly rejects them and has arrested several members. And David says, Well, why do you have three training camps for them in your country? They're planning an attack, and your government is supporting them. And uh, this is kind of a weird back and forth. The prime minister says, I would appreciate if you stop using my people and country as a source for every threat against the U.S. And David just says, if a bomb goes off in the U.S., I will have no choice but to go to war with your country. And again, like we at this point, we don't know the name of the country that David is threatening to go mm-hmm. to war with. Um, it's very odd. It says, you'll hurt us, but it's going to destroy you. Yeah, you know, he goes hard. Yeah, I mean this, he but... he went full. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing on him. Yeah, mm-hmm. but again, folks, we have been at war with Afghanistan for sixteen years. <laughs> but like, even if it's not Afghanistan, I mean, it's a Middle Eastern country. Like, okay. What? By the way, in his you can't just you can't just go to war with a Middle Eastern country and expect it to go well. Um, I yeah, mean, but so the Prime Minister's stance is um, also horseshit, though. On this side of America, right? He says, you know, you start a war with us and you start a war with a third of the country. What he's saying essentially is that you'll start a war with every Muslim on the planet, which is bullshit, right? We, yeah. we literally invaded nations. Um, wasn't the best idea, but not every Muslim hates us because of that. So it's just, no, we're just people hate us that live in those nations, which is bad. But but I also don't understand, like at this point, at this point, what does David Palmer expect the prime minister to be able to do like if a plot is already in motion that's going to happen today which means they've already set it in motion well, like it isn't like he's the country or the government is actively well, michael if you think about it though no so like it's kind of so it's an it's an analogy for to to afghanistan and pakistan at the time i think because they wrote this season probably after 9 11 
right? Yeah. So, so the, so the, so, they wrote so the season, or the season aired after the invasion. So, of the, so the Taliban, right. The Taliban were not the official government of Afghanistan at the time, but they were supported by the Afghani government. So when we right, invaded Afghanistan, like, it was they, the wife even of the if Tal- they supported, even if they supported the the plot in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's probably a little late for them to just call up the head of Second Wave and be like, hey, you got to stop this now. I mean, he's just saying, don't start nothing, won't be nothing. Like, if we were able to call the head of Pakistan, like, you know, the, the Pakistani government and be like, hey, don't don't let Al-Qaeda do this. Or we're, we're coming in there. You know? I mean, I it, it, wouldn't, important it thing wouldn't have worked. You got to make the call. You got you you to tell them that. say, hey, stop the shit. Yeah. I mean, um. Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, like, and David is very in this episode, very like obviously reticent to to talk about military solutions, even with like his own advisors. So like, I think it was more just like, I think I think he was showing and trying to force this guy to show his hand a little yeah. bit. Yeah, also, I mean it was um, clearly posturing, but I think you could have gone in there a little bit more diplomatically, been like, look, you know, share some share some information with me. I mean, Michael, if you don't like, think that our next names. president's gonna gonna call up Vladimir Putin and be like, hey, 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 let's cut the shit. <laughs> You know, one of the first orders of business is going to be like, all right, now, it was funny. It was real cute. Don't do that shit again. And he'll say, what are you going to do about it? You don't want to know. What's that P-tape like? <laughs> pretty, pretty, I bet it's pretty wild. Um, so we cut to Kim and Megan. Uh, Kim is teaching Megan how to skateboard in the driveway of uh, the Matheson house. And we see Jack's SUV in the background. And we cut inside to see him watching Kim teach Megan to skateboard. Uh, his phone starts ringing and he answers and someone tries to get him to come to CTU and she says, I'm in the middle of something. I don't work for you anymore. And he hangs up. Um, so Megan, yeah, Megan falls off her skateboard. Kim, you know, kind of helps clean her up and then turns to see Jack walking up the driveway and she sends Megan to the backyard to go play. And, uh, kind of like heartbreaking scene. Uh, like, but basically Jack wants to be in Kim's life and Kim just says, you know, he's apologizing a lot. Kim just says, you know, I love you. I'm just not ready to see you yet. Every time I look at you, I just see mom. I am. And Jack, this is a bad scene. Like, there was some really terrible, sad piano music playing. Yeah, and, I just, yeah. I'm so mad at Kim. Again, I get it. Your mother passed away, and I can't imagine what that's like. I really can't. But your dad literally did everything to save you and your mom and another dude, like, in a day because you snuck out that night. And you, you're the, yeah. you're all he has left. You're everything he has left in the world, and you're like, nope, don't want you. Great. I wasn't mad at Kim until later in this episode, which we'll get to in a minute. But like, like I kind of understood this, but like, you know, she she didn't give Jack anything no. here, and all like literally all he wanted, like he like you know he apologized for coming to her job and all this stuff, and just said, hey, I just wanna just wanna talk when you're ready, and she just shut him down again, which sucks. Um, so we get a tiny clock, it's 8.17, and, uh, we cut back to Eric Rayburn talking to David Palmer in his office, and Eric Rayburn really wants to go to war, apparently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Real bad. Yeah, he basically is like, hey, why don't we just, uh, you know, just, just, just call the Joint Chiefs and just, like, let's just get a plan. Let's just, you know, maybe make a plan or two. Just kill some brown people, maybe. Yeah. That's what you want to do. Um, so David just basically tells Rayburn that he's not ready for that yet, and all he wants to know about is give me the the casualty assessment for what would happen if a nuclear bomb went off in LA. Um, <laughs> all, so then all the bitches. We cut to a young brown skinned man driving a sports car, speaking Farsi on the phone. 
We got a tiny clock again. It's 8.22. Please take a drink. That's um, weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking speaking fart weird. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Brown His dude. name is Reza Nair, we learn. And he stops in front of a very large, fancy house. And he gets out. And he walks to the back of the house and starts making out with a petite blonde woman, who we learn is named Marie. Triggered. And <laughs> we learn they're about to get married. And then uh, Maria's sister, Kate, walks out. And she seems super duper suspicious that a brown dude is involved in her life and her sister's life and her family's life in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> guys, yeah, Kate's, Kate's super racist. I, I gotta know. I gotta know. I hope they clear it up later, right? I have to know why the rich family in Los Angeles has Southern accents. I, I just need, I, I get they're trying to maybe get a point across about racism, but at the same time, it's like, yo, come on now. Like they're, they're in yeah. LA. Don't be, don't just be mean about it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it, like, they're black like, gold. Like, once, you, once, you, once you start hating brown and black people, you immediately gain a Southern accent. That's what they're trying yeah, to like, nah, it's like an achievement point. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it makes sense. <laughs> so this is the Warner family, the the white folk, and uh, Kate, the sister, tells Marie that she has a phone call from Andre, uh, the you know someone, the wedding planner, and Marie goes to take it. Uh, she's a little angry, and there's a weird interaction between Kate and Reza. She's asking where his cousin is, who's coming in for the wedding, uh, which we learn is supposed to be in a couple hours. And Reza says he sent the company car to pick her up, which Kate seems like astounded by <laughs> um and she, then the dad bob warner comes out and uh razor goes off to do something with uh, marie and kate asks bob like what razor is doing with the company car and why uh you know he's misusing warner company uh resources and i don't know what kate's deal is but i assume she's just a run-of-the-mill racist i well i don't know if she's i mean she's a little racist obviously but she also, um, I think she's also just like thinks that he's after her money. Right. It doesn't seem like it's complete racism. It's more like you think that anybody who's not in the family is just taking advantage. Yeah, That's what she's that, like kind yeah. of a stuck up bitch, but also racist. Yeah. It's very clear she doesn't trust Raisa. And like Bob actually makes a point. She's like, this couldn't be because uh, he's from the Middle East, could it? Yeah. And she's like, no, you raised me better than that. Um, but yeah, she's definitely, she thinks something is amiss with, uh, Reza Nair, uh, her soon to be brother-in-law. So we cut back to Rayburn and Mason on the phone and Rayburn tells Mason that they need Jack in right now. And, uh, Mason just says, well, Jack's not picking up the phone, but I'll tell you how you can get a hold of Bauer and you're not going to like it. <laughs> so we get a tiny clock. It's 824. And uh, Jack walks into a shitty little apartment. He's no longer living in yeah, his, the shittiest. In his home. <laughs> he's in, he's in a, a tiny, maybe one bedroom apartment. A lot of boxes are unpacked. Uh, clearly, he is out of his own home. Um, a lot of wood. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of wood paneling. Mm-hmm. Um, answering machine picks up the call. It's Tony Almeida asking Jack to call him back. And then uh, he walks, he sits down on the couch, and then he stares at a filing cabinet, and he opens it up, and... Wait, before that... Yeah. There is one book jacket visible when he looks over at that filing cabinet. There's a bunch of papers, and then there's a book that just, on the book jacket, says, Internet. (laughs) (laughs) Are you serious? 
Uh, no joke. God damn it. I paused it. I tried to read other words around it. I could not. The only word I could read was internet. Ooh. So he has a book that is teaching him how to use the internet or something else having to do with the internet. Internet. To be, Who you be? To be fair. <laughs> what you is. It was a mysterious technology back then. And I guarantee that book. It's a series that book of had three. Yes. That book had three words in it. <laughs> Open a socket. <laughs> that was it. Dude, we get a couple sockets and protocols in this episode. It was yeah, it was pretty yeah, good. We did. Um, so Jack opens the filing cabinet, and then he, there's a gun inside. And He's he gonna kill br- himself. He briefly touches the gun, then kind of shakes his head, and then picks up a framed picture of him, Kim, and Terry. Yeah, good job, and he Kim. Just sits down. Fuck. And then Jack falls for the oldest trick in the book: the someone calling your answering machine and saying, <laughs> "I work for the president of the United Ooh. States, and I need your help." But he rushes over and picks up the phone because um, Jack has nothing but respect for his president. <laughs> president, you, uh, trying to say something there, Michael? <laughs> Michael, you got something you want to say to me? Huh? Why'd you say it? <laughs> go, on, go on, say it, son. <laughs> Um, so what is so Palmer gets on the phone what does he say to Jack he needs him he needs him now he's like hey I don't trust anyone more than I trust you you saved my life we need your help and we need you to go to CTU now right now there's too many feelings in this scene y'all like there's just you know well the the feel I mean when he takes the picture out of him Kim and Terry and then, like, curls up, essentially, like, almost in a fetal position. As much as fetal position, I think Jack can, uh, can achieve as a person. And then he gets a call from his old buddy, who tells him how much he trusts him, because he saved his... It's just... It's so... There's... Don't make me feel things. <laughs> don't, don't make me feel the things. I already felt enough at the end of season one. I can't handle it in season two. All right, and this is where we learn that it's been, it's been, you know, it's been over a year since he, since he left CTU, you know? Uh, it's just, uh, it's just good. I'm also... I'm a little proud of David Palmer here as president because given the opportunity, this man did not pass sensitive information over an open telephone line. He's learning. <laughs> I thought he was going to. I, thought oh, so he was did I. I knew it was coming in my I'm like, he's going to do it. He didn't. He's learning. He's learning <laughs> things, y'all. It's been 18 months. He he learned a thing or two about operational security. You probably like, so, um, so don't, don't, don't mention the, don't mention the nu- no nuke. Okay. Gotcha. Jack, we, we need you. Jack, just need you. They'll, they'll tell you at the now point. rhymes with Rook Rear Mom. <laughs> In Bros Brangelis. We're okay. <laughs> so we cut to 828. Kim is kind of sneaking through the Matheson house and she walks into the kitchen where Carla is seemingly very stressed out about wrapping a gift. And she seems like she says uh, Gary mm-hmm. wants it done in a very particular way, and Kim shouldn't help because I don't. She seems very afraid that she's going to do it wrong, and this is like the first yeah. sense we it's get. So that subtle. Something more. Something is amiss <laughs> beyond just Gary being a pervert. It's not even like she's wrapping the present that well, guys. Nope, not good. At like all. it's a messy wrap job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not. This being... is the how. This is how Gary wants it. He wants it to look messy, like he did it. <laughs> it's just Sorry. you're not being subtle at all. You know, and it's just not it's even a just so sad because it's just you know I, I see it and I just, I wish that ladies understood how how like you know how horrible men are. You you, you ladies are you don't have to go with us. I mean this this is a beautiful woman who can do better than Gary. Just it's not even close. <laughs> hey Curtis, I think I think women understand how bad men are. You don't have to you don't have to break it down we, for us. We are we are the worst. <laughs> Speaking of the worst, I did not like the Pacific, Curtis. 
Why not? Not because it was produced by Mr. Tom, uh, Tom and, uh, <laughs> Tom, King Tom and Tom Hank, Tom Hank first of his Tom name. And, Tom and Baratha Hanks, first of his name, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't like it. I don't know. It wasn't my thing. So you see, I, what I see in the Pacific is that I loved Band of Brothers. I love Band of Brothers. It was, it was, it was great. a fine show. Uh, and emphasized how how you know a group of soldiers came together to fight a good fight, and there was some tragedy, but there was victory, just like the first season yeah. twenty four, and and the mm-hmm. Pacific promised me the same amount of camaraderie, Didn't with a little more, more with a little more diversity, in the in both the protagonist and antagonist side, um, yeah. and I'm hoping that 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 it, that it, that it would deliver that with the same quality band of brothers. Does it do it? I don't. I haven't finished the season, Kush. So thanks for ruining it for me. Um, does, but I'm hoping this does, is the same. I'm hoping it's the same for 24 season two. I hope it's a a great season one with browner people. Did you get to the the full episode where a guy just pees the entire nope. time? Nope. Made made it through episode one. Very happy, and then didn't watch again. Don't know so why. So is 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 Hank is Hank Thomas in it, or no. is he just produce no. it? This is just produced. Oh, okay. By the greatest at living thespian, male thespian, because that's not impugn Madam Street, but still, you know. Lord hanging, anyway. Lord hanging forth. Anyway, is, uh, we come back producer. to CTU and Michelle Lord Dessler Hackensack. is... <laughs> Hankensack. Um, Michelle Dessler tells Tony that something big is happening because the CIA started sharing information between agencies, which never happens. Mm-hmm. And he tells her to call in two agents from their day off, which... Oh, so kind of horseshit, Tonebone. Yeah, Landover and Grothy aren't making it in anytime fucking soon. Yeah. Uh, and then he tells her to start filtering everything that comes in, which I don't really understand. Um, but then she walks away to do it, and Tony kind of gives her some eyes, which mm-hmm. I just know wrote, what that, you know what that means. Budding romance. Mm-hmm. Budding romance. You know what that means, y'all? Mm-hmm. Tony Tony and Michelle been fucking. Not yet. I don't think they fucked yet. Oh. I, think, I think Tony wants. It's been 18 think, months. He should have been fucking already. Well, she might not have been there for 18 months. I think Tony wants to open a socket. Oh, oh. <laughs> and lay down some protocols. Nicely done. That's all I'm saying. Nicely done. Um, so, Paula walks over to Michelle and gets really weird. He and wants Michelle to just... her mole. <laughs> Get all... <laughs> dig all up nope. in there in nope. her tunnel. Uh, so, speaking of moles, <laughs> Michelle, Michelle tells Paula that she's trying too hard. Just do your job. And... Because Paul offered to help Michelle with some of the intel work that uh, she has to do. And Paul just says, sorry, I've been waiting to get assigned here for two years. It's like, oh, yeah, you've been trying to get in here for two years, you fucking mole snitch, motherfucker. No way. Obvious mole. Not into it. I still it. love it. So, so, what, so what I'm hearing is what happened is they said, so we have an opening in IT in Los Angeles. <laughs> Uh, because the what happened previous, to the what happened to the first person? I uh, circumstances occurred, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and she can no longer. Perform she definitely wasn't murdered there. Her role, for sure, though. Yeah, no. Uh, welcome to the welcome to the Jamie Farrell Memorial <laughs> IT room. What do you call that? Oh, no reason. Um. No reason whatsoever. Ah, uh, she's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, they also say somebody says protocol. I don't remember. Take, take a drink, and drink. Everyone says protocol. Well, speaking of drinking, we got a tiny clock. It's eight thirty-one. Uh, George Mason walks down onto the floor of CTU and tells everyone that there is a nuclear bomb in LA set to go off that day. Go time. Uh, 
He says, from this moment on, we do not communicate with anyone outside our secure envelope, which <laughs> yeah, he re, re, uh, drink for secure envelope because that's funny. <laughs> but, um, I, I wrote, we don't do anything but find this device and stop it. I wrote, eat a whole mountain of dicks, George. I'm calling my, my family immediately. I'm telling you, yeah. get the fuck out of L.A. I'm sorry. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote <laughs> who is going to be the first to call their family? <laughs> this dude. I'm doing it now. <laughs> yeah. I was say, I, I didn't. I did not guess it right. I was very surprised by who you're, it was. You are correct. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have guessed that either. To be fair, he kind of comes out of left field. Um, <laughs> he also wasn't there for the briefing, so he doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know the rules. Um, so Tony uh, walks up to Mason and says he's a little concerned about Jack coming back into field duty. And Mason says, I don't know why Jack's coming back, but I'm guessing it has something to do with one of his previous covers. Um, so we cut to... Eric Rayburn in the kind of presidential Oregon underground situation room. He's talking about potential deaths. He starts with what would happen if a dirty bomb was uh, blown up in downtown LA. Right. And estimates it at 14,000 dead in a best case dirty bomb scenario. That seems real low. Very low. Uh, you know what also seems low is the worst case scenario of a stolen Soviet warhead detonated 500 feet above the city. Which would kill 2.5 million people? That's, yeah. I'm going to say it's inaccurate. But Dirty Bomb, I don't think, I don't think, I think Dirty Bombs actually aren't as bad as everybody makes them out to be. So he's right. Well, it's just a bomb that explodes ra- radioactive material Correct. all over the place. So folks could get, it, I mean, it's, it's essentially, it depends on where you do it, right? But you're not looking, I mean, once you get the bomb radius closed off, it's not bad. It just yeah. depends on what what buildings you blow up and how many people they contain. And then there's like a maybe I think like a one to two mile radius and where the 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 nuclear material may spread to cause cancer and problems. But, yeah, but you know, downtown LA, there's more than fourteen thousand people. But there's no there's not mile. there's not fallout the way you're thinking about nuclear fallout. I guess that's true. Yeah, right. Fallout yeah. is different. Like when the two point five million. Like is getting low, getting though. getting nuclear material spread around an area means you have to clean up some shit. Getting a nuclear a hydrogen fission bomb set off means no. that the actual area is irradiated for the, the half life of the actual fucking material. So yeah, no. that's a different situation. That's literally yeah. we can't use LA ever in a lifetime. Which uh, <laughs> I think at the time it was something like ten million people in the city. So like two point five seems pretty low. Yeah, but, but um, you got you got LA, you've got Orange County, you've got Las Vegas. A lot of folks, a lot of fucking people. Yeah. So Rayburn asked David to speak to the Joint Chiefs once again. And David kind of says, this is not a military operation. It's just a potential terrorism threat. That's how we're going to teach it or treat it as such. He dismisses everyone and shares a look with Lynn Kresge before she leaves. We got a tiny clock at 836. And David is left looking at a uh, screen that estimates two and a half million dead people in L.A. And uh, we cut to a warehouse. We see a man walks up to the building. He he enters. He's met by another man. Uh, there are some guards with guns. And they uh, walk into a room where there's a kind of hot zone sort of thing set up. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Glowing green. A That's how you glowing know it's green. nuclear. There are some uh, radiation warning signs posted. And uh, some man is spooning some turmeric powder into a bomb canister. <laughs> yeah. So- and... I was like, good news, y'all. I do not believe that weaponized plutonium comes in powder form these days. So yellow we're, cake. We, might be looking, yellow we might be looking at the old yellow dirty cake. bomb. That's fine. Um, you know, an actual fuel rod would be scary. But, you know, the old powder. What are you going to do? Make a cocaine bomb? We're okay. I think we're good. I, hell, that'd be good for LA. 
Get it's, yeah, really just, it's a bunch of really spicy spices oh. that are going to explode. And it's going to really irritate everyone's eyes. So it's the Indian holiday of that holy. Hot, that hot curry powder. That's what, it's, that's what we're doing now. Just, just let everybody understand how great how great cumin is. Is that what we're yeah. going to do? <laughs> it's a it's an underappreciated spice. It really makes the dish. Um, so we cut back to CTU where Tony tells Paula to open a socket, take a drink. <laughs> And Paula just seems a little despondent and just says, I don't know if I can do this. I'm just a programmer. I don't work well under what pressure. Maybe you, you can bring someone else in to do the government job I, to, I do? Yeah. No. So she's been, waiting for, she's been waiting for two years to work in the LA office of CTU, which means she worked for the counterterrorism unit for years before that. And she doesn't know if she can handle the terrorist threat? What yeah. the hell? What did she think she was going to be doing? <laughs> also, 18 months ago, someone tried to kill the president. Or the president to be like what? What do you? You didn't think there was going to be pressure situation? Yeah, like like her job application was pending at that point. <laughs> like she saw all that happen and yeah. then was like, "Yeah, I guess I could do that. Yeah. That's fine." Also, uh, not a very inspired name choice for Paula Schaefer, right? No, <laughs> yeah, Paul, just, like Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. Schaefer. Yeah, <laughs> all she does is pound on a keyboard all day. <laughs> Kind of looks like Paul Schaefer too. Don't do it. Um, Don't do that. No. Don't you dare besmirch. No. <laughs> so Tony gives her a pep talk and tells her to just take one task at a time. Right now, all I need you to do is open a couple of sockets, take Ooh, another drink, you. and prep the conference room oh, for a, a meeting. It's a couple and now, Tony. Not one. Yeah. <laughs> Not one. Damn it. So she goes to work, and in the background, an agent buzzes Jack Bauer back into CTU. Mm-hmm. It's the, the return last- of the Jack. The last time he was here was almost certainly the night he shot his ex-lover and co-worker in a car jousting battle, who he later learned had killed his wife and aboard child. Probably, they don't really show this, but Jack is probably processing a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real mad. I, I, I better get some Nina this season, y'all. Otherwise, it's fucking useless. But continue. Yeah. Um, so a lot to process. A lot of people just stare at him as he walks into the office. So clearly... 18 months later, people will still remember Jack. He and Tony shake hands and then walk into see Mason in the conference room sitting. Or before he walks into the conference room, Jack clearly he he stops and stares up at his old office, uh, clearly missing it. Like you can you can tell there's a a, a pang of that he wants to be back in there. Oh baby, I I want to be back inside you. I miss, I miss you so much, baby. Oh man, I, he- I I shot a man with a trank dart in there. Not that he ever really spent much time in that office. He was mostly out not doing his job. Um, but he walks into the conference room where Mason, Michelle Dessler, the new agent, and Paula are sitting. And Mason tells him that there's a rogue nuke in L.A. And Jack asks him, how good is your intel? How close are you to IDing a prime suspect? Mason tells him, not very on either account. And what does Jack do? Deuces. He turns around and immediately goes to a phone. And calls Kim and is like, Kim, you need to get the fuck out of L.A., go somewhere else. Uh, you know, we need to leave L.A. And Kim just hangs up on him. God damn it, Kim. I, yeah, like, your dad works, used to work at CTU. Like, he's not making shit yeah, up. The man has proven himself to, to deal with very dangerous situations at work. And you're just like, I don't need it right now, dad. What the f- 
Yeah. I think the worst part about this was just like, you know, I'm glad you're back at work, but I don't want to deal with it. No, wor- like, you know what his work what is. What the literal shit? You know what his work is, yeah. My work is dealing with terrorist threats, and I'm telling you to get out of L.A. Yeah, that's like, it's, uh, is that, well, I guess because he said we're going to do it together. She had a fucking trigger event. He doesn't, it's just so stupid. You know what your father does when he says he's at work. You know how dangerous that is because that, that's how your mom ended up dead, you stupid bitch. So leave. Leave mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. But no, mm-hmm. not Kim. Mm-hmm. Kim's gonna get herself in some kind of situation with Gary because fuck my life. <laughs> yeah, it's just like at a certain point you gotta learn to take that seriously. Like in Fast Six or Seven, whichever one it is, when The Rock tells his daughter, "Daddy's gotta go to work," and rips the cast off his arm, she knows that's fucking serious business. That's seven. Mm-hmm. That's that's the seven. Yeah, seven. And then he goes and gets a chain gun and shoots the drone out of the air. <laughs> but like, why that's doesn't what Kim Daddy understand? Does. Like when Daddy goes to work. Shit is going down. Is Kim dumb, though? Kim, yeah. Kim real dumb. That was also in L.A., by the way. Um, so, um, yeah, so, but Jack does exactly what I would do, and I, I would imagine that that you guys would do, too. Just be like, oh, uh, the nuclear bomb? Yeah, I'm getting the fuck out of here? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get my family and get the fuck out of here, y'all. I don't work Good, good luck. So, yeah, so it's not even that he, like, he just wanted Kim out. I don't think Jack even cared if he died. He just wanted Kim to leave. Um, so Kim hangs up and he calls her back and leaves a voicemail, tells her to go to their, to her aunt Carol's house outside the city. And Tony walks up and tries to convince Jack that he's the only one who can run with this because it's a background match, you know, given Jack's history, he needs to do this. And Jack says, I trusted everyone here at CTU to protect my wife and I lost her. I can't lose my daughter. Also, I can't. And he walks outside and back to his Ford expedition (laughs) And as he goes to turn it over, he sees a mother walking with her child down the sidewalk and gets kind of a faraway look in his eye. And we cut back yeah, to on, the conference room where, yeah, go He sees a little, he sees a mother walking a little white son, right? <laughs> and no, no, it's not original. I, I think so. I think I think in his mind he pictured Terry and his potential son that he lost that day, mm-hmm. and I see that, and, and thinks of you know all the people who who could lose what he lost. On, on that day in, in, in the nuclear blast. And so we'll see what Jack does. Yeah. I mean, Jack's his number one thing is always like the people mm-hmm. like the, 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 you know, he does a lot of things, you know, to get, to get there, but uh, he breaks a lot of rules and protocols, but his, his bigger thing is like, how can I save the most people? Yeah. I think Jack's thing is all about protection for mm-hmm. people who need it. And I think he's uniquely suited to do it. And, as much as I think he tries to make sure his family comes first in that protection, he's never he's never greedy about it. I think he's always willing to just like my personal safety, whatever, comes way beyond everybody else. So we cut back to Tony and Mason sniping at each other. Uh, you know, Mason basically yelling at Tony for letting Jack get away. And Michelle says, well, maybe there's another way to find someone named Wald. And Mason says, oh, you think I didn't think of that? Whoopty doodles. And then. <laughs> Dude, to, so this is so great. Tony, Tony is showing a lot of attitude, a lot more attitude than he did in season one, especially towards Mason, who supposedly is his boss. And Mason is just, I mean, he's Mason. Right. Um, I think you can tell in the last, in the intervening 18 months, Tony has started swinging that dick. Mm-hmm. Like Jack's out of his way. Nina, you know, he. I think he's recovering from like his boss, you know, kind of betraying him after sleeping with him like i think tony is coming into his own mm-hmm. quite yeah, a bit and, and the, you know and, and he's doesn't really give he doesn't really like mason too much doesn't seem like no 
And why would he? <laughs> yeah. Mason's a drunk misanthrope at this point. You don't really need him around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So as they argue, Jack walks in Dejected. and says, one of two Power agents, I need, I need Noel or Grothy to pick up Kim and take her outside uh, the city. God damn it. So Grothy's not even there because he's supposed to be calling from his day off. So Noel's definitely dead, right? Yeah. Anybody who's going to pick up Kim's going to die. Just <laughs> yeah. fucking poor. She's not even under a specific threat, but Porn. somehow. No, yeah, it doesn't, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Noel's dead. Yeah. I'm just going to say, I'm yeah. calling it right now. Noel's Hundo dead. percent. All right. <laughs> uh, and he says, Tony needs to update me on their status every hour because, George, I just don't trust you. Uh, <laughs> and George says, well, you're going to have to start. Me and Tony will do this together. You get to work. Tony goes off and they start telling Jack about someone named Joseph Wald, who's involved with Second Wave. We learn that Jack put him in prison, but he's currently out on appeal which I feel like conspiring with a known terrorist group probably violates your probation. They could just probably just take him to jail for that, but no one really mentions that. Um, so we cut, we got a tiny clock. It's 846 and we cut back to uh, Marie Warner, Rezana Year, and uh, Marie's sister, Kate. And they're talking about the wedding planning. And um, Reza is unhappy that Marie's ex-boyfriend, Scott, will be at the wedding. Mostly because he just says... All my brothers married women who have only been with one woman. One man. I, or sorry, with one man. Sorry. Ooh, hello. Sexy turn <laughs> of events. And um, I definitely like conflicting cultures here. Um, yeah. But like Kate, Kate just kind of like jabs at him jokingly and ang- and like Reza kind of defends himself, uh, you know, and they get interrupted who uh, by the housekeeper who informs Kate that she has a call. And we learn that. Kate has had a private investigator named Ralph uh, look into, do a background check on Reza. And what does he learn? Well, all of Reza's business dealings in the past and with the Warner Company are absolutely fine. Yep. But someone who he's done business with in the past is connected to, you guessed it, y'all, terrorism. Yeah. Terrorism in the Middle East. Someone named Syed Ali is a terrorist financer, <laughs> which which translates in uh, in Warner speak to racist von racism, <laughs> 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 or or terrorist bin terrorism. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, there's a couple. We're already like into. Well, we'll I guess we'll move into that. But like. T- Kate sucks already. I'm already not on on Team Kate. Even if like even if Reza is the bad guy hey, here, Reza, uh, I, I I got both their points, but they both did it dickishly. Yeah, very like badly. it's just mm-hmm. it's just you know what you're trying to say. My sister isn't good enough for you because she's not a you know a virgin. But at the same time, yeah, I kind of don't want your ex boyfriend at my wedding though. Like you're, yeah. we're close now. We haven't dated for like I still it's kind of weird. You know, mm-hmm. just letting you know, like my family's yeah. traditionally my family. You know, I don't hate my family, but they're they don't my my other brothers. It could be that their his brothers or cousins were all like you know arranged marriages, or these women were made sure that they were virgins before they're married because of. But he's saying that he's he's open to marrying a woman who's not a virgin. But at the same time, it's can you not bring the dude who'd been giving you that dick before I got here? Yeah, I don't want to throw it in my family's face during yeah. the wedding, you know? So because right. they're being... gonna say like, oh, how do you know Marie? I gave her oh, that good yeah, dick been... for a couple years. You know? Yeah, I, I've been intimately in the biblical sense. <laughs> you know um, the Bible. So... The good book. <laughs> Ever heard of it? Um, so Ralph, the private detective, tells Kate that he can do some more digging, but he's going to need her help to confirm them. So we cut to 849 and we come back as Lynn Kresge walks up to David and tells tells him that someone set up a meeting with the Joint Chiefs in five minutes. 
Um, and Palmer says, no, nah, I didn't do that. Go ahead and cancel it. And he sees Eric Rayburn across the way, and uh, Rayburn's already starting shit. Mm-hmm. I can see why he didn't come into the office, because he was busy stirring <laughs> a whole pot of it shit. like um, Eric Rayburn like, watched the movie The Siege with Bruce Willis and watching it. He's like, that's a really good idea. Let's do that in L.A. <laughs> Let's, let's, let's just militarize that, the fuck out of everything fun. and find this bomb, y'all. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Um, so David walks up and says, I thought it was pretty clear that we're not going to burn time and energy on blowing up another country yeah. uh, right now. Let's try to now. find this bomb first. And Raymond just says, oh, I just did that in case you changed your mind about things. Um, <laughs> and then and, didn't cancel it, even though it's in yeah, five minutes. Just in case, whatever. Um, and David just says... Today's going to be a long day, and I don't need my own people working against me. And Rayburn just says, I would never work against you, sir. Which I think is going to come back to me mm, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Ray- Rayburn will be a, a couple hours. He'll be a big problem yeah. this season. Yeah. And, like, I don't know if he, he, like, obviously disingenuous apology. He didn't seem to, like, kind of get that he had, like, fucked up. Like, mm, I think he was just yeah. kind of, like, doing contingency plans and, like, Maybe he's just a dingus who didn't understand, but oh no, probably not. No, he's a he's yeah. a dick. He's a total dick. Yeah. He's 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 the Keith this season, and I'm gonna hate him <laughs> the whole time. Oh shit! I skipped something. They no, didn't. We're good. No, well, I did. Okay. Um. So, so we cut back to CTU, and uh, I forgot to mention this, but in the previous scene where Mason, uh, Jack, and Michelle oh, were Mason. talking, yeah, or, no, uh, yeah, the, the guy. yeah, sorry, yeah. Uh, we learned that there was someone in protective custody named Marshall Gorin who was set to testify against Joseph Wald. Um, so when Jack was undercover, he actually put him in jail. But Marshall Gorin is the only uh, witness for uh, the federal government against this guy, Joseph Wald. So um, Jack tells Mason had told Mason to bring Gorin in. And didn't really tell him why, other than that, it's the only way that Jack can reestablish his cover uh, with Joseph Wald. So Mason called the FBI, who is holding who is holding Gorin in downtown L.A., and they bring him in. So uh, he's on his way, and Jack and Michelle are starting to prepare a background story for Jack uh, to rebuild his cover with with Wald. Mm-hmm. And um, sorry, let me. Uh, yeah, so it was gonna be for I think it was gonna be for burglary. And Jack yeah, that wouldn't yeah, rob, fight with these two guys. Of robbery. Um, yeah. So they wanted to be he wanted to be what uh, distribution of of uh, illegal explosive devices. Illegal explosive devices. Yeah. yeah, conspiracy to, to distribute explosives. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they so him and Which Michelle like are a working pretty on badass, it. Badass, real, uh, real nice. It's thing. a good cover and. Yeah. It kind of sets the stage for su- for season three because Jack's got a pretty great undercover backstory. That one too. <laughs> don't uh, Chris, you're don't. gonna love it. I'm just saying, I mean, man, I'm gonna like it. Past this one, y'all. This might be the last season of this show. We'll see. All right. I don't. I don't want to feel. Though, I don't want to feel. There's like. I don't there's like things. seven more. So Curtis, you don't get to say that and then talk about podcast juggernauts. Is it? Okay. <laughs> That's your line. You gotta own it, dude. This is on you now. We go through uh, this so other people don't have to. Or I know. Let's get back to Marshall Gorin. Yeah, so Jack refuses to really tell Mason what's going <laughs> so on, and Mason is just like, Jack, are you losing it? Because you got to tell me if you are. Like, I can't trust you. Like, Jack, uh, Mason, again, is like in cover my ass mode, mm-hmm. very much so. Mm-hmm. And um, so Jack mentions Rudy Collette, a parole officer who can, like, help out with his cover moving forward. So, uh, you know, they work out the backstory, and then Goran arrives. And Jack tells Michelle to leave the room. 
And Jack starts going through Goran's charges, which are bad. Like, oh, you mean you mean Goran is child porn, child porn, murder, kidnapping. Uh, and- he grabbed a child, kidnapping, and he's just a fat, smug piece of shit. Oh, and God. Yeah. he's just telling Jack that he's gonna walk free of the charges if he helps to put Wald away. And um, Jack stands there for a moment, just kind of nodding, and then. What does Jack do? Mm. Mm. Pulls he, out. He puts pulls one. Glock. Oh god! He puts one right in the chest of this fat fucking piece of shit. Oh, Just God, yes. Everything that that I wanted Jack Bauer to be last season <laughs> just occurred in one beautiful scene in the first episode of this season. Then, just, then what does just, he do, Curtis? Then what does he do? Then he, no, well, wait, no, I mean, it gets, it, I I know what I know what you're talking. I know the line you want me to say, but it gets better because because Mason is just what the fuck are you doing, Jack? Essentially, right? And Jack tells yeah. him it's only going to believe my cover is if I bring in the one witness that can testify against Wald. Yeah, and, and, and Mason is disheveled, doesn't understand what's going on. So Jack looks up at Mason, who is just aghast, <laughs> just does not understand it. He's like Mason in his shitty suit, growing a beard, like clearly a drunk asshole. <laughs> and Jack just looks up at him, also with a majestic beard, mm-hmm. wild look in his eyes and says, you know, George, that's the problem with people like you. You want results, <laughs> but you never want to get your hands dirty. I'd start rolling up your sleeves. As he's rolling over Goran to his side and like yeah. checking his pulse and shit. Checking his neck. And like, I don't know if he's checking for a pulse. He was just checking like something he was checking and where then, is the soft soft yeah seeing how parts. thick that yeah. neck is and then curtis what does jack request a hacksaw i'm gonna need a hacksaw mm. i can't wait and then <laughs> speaking of hacking apparently that line was supposed to be cut the fox executives did not like that line seriously but it stayed in. fuck that thank god <laughs> yeah that one that line is incredible also they were worried about that line, yes. and I clearly there are distinct memories of this show that, like, apparently the maybe after that one they just kind of gave up. Yeah, like, like, like I let them do it. Mm-hmm. I don't care. We let them. Um, we let them do the hacksaw thing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Anymore. Well, speaking of hacky, we cut to Kim and Megan giving shitty haircuts to dolls, uh, and Kim is listening to some more very bad music. Apparently, her taste has not evolved in the last in her last eighteen months. And uh, Kim's at the window, and Gary comes home. He uh, and he's the kind of douchebag who oh. like polishes his own car after he gets out of it. That kind of sucked. Um, Kim sees that and she sits down on the bed. And then downstairs, we hear Gary start attacking Carla. Um, she he's clearly hitting her. He's yelling at her. And Megan gets very quiet and scared. And Ma- Megan, by the way, is about six years old. If I yeah, had to, yeah, yeah. very small child. Um, and so Megan gets quiet and says she doesn't like when her dad gets like this. And Kim goes to the door, closes and locks, locks it. And moments later, Gary's at the door, wriggling the handle. And Kim and Megan kind of run to the bathroom and like Kim unlocks the door. Kim actually makes a pretty savvy move here. Like she pretends that they were in the bathroom, you know, like doing a, uh, you know, playing with Megan's hair and they didn't hear anything. And, uh, she unlocks the door and lets Gary in and Gary tells Kim to leave and go check on Carlo because he needs to spend some time with his daughter. And what happens? Well, Kim so yeah, doesn't Kim. leave the child with the, the abuser. So, uh, that's good. But, oh God, I get, <sighs> go ahead, Michael. I can't even, talk I, just, I can't talk. I was, yeah, I see, got so Kim, emotional at this. Yeah. She, he keeps telling Kim to go downstairs and she obviously clearly does not want to leave. 
little girl with Gary. And so she says, no, actually, we were just about to whatever. And Gary just shoves her to the floor and says, get out. And obviously, Megan starts to cry because not only did she hear her mom screaming, now she's seen Kim knocked down. She starts crying for her mom. Gary is just screaming now at his daughter, like, shut up, shut up. Um, then Megan tries to get up to walk away, and he grabs her, and she falls back and hits her head on the bed. What a fucking And dude. now Megan is crying because she hurt her head. Kim's on the ground, and Gary is gets a phone call and starts yelling at someone on the phone about how he has something he has to do. Yeah, and then... It's a in bad that scene moment, all around. Yeah, yeah it's terrible. And I'm Curtis. I'm sure for you, it's even worse having having Real kids. Hard. Um, Real tough. Before before Megan got up and Gary kind of pulled her and hit her head on the bed. Um, he did tell Kim like, because Kim got up to intervene, oh, and yeah. he's like, "Kim, stay down, or I, I will, will hurt, hurt you. you. Yeah, I will hurt you." And this is like a couple weeks into her job, apparently. Um, oh God, I wish that could be recorded for Jack. I just I want to see what he'd do. That's that's all I can think of. Just like something just, tells me, Gary and Jack may have a <laughs> uh, a run in. Um, I guess my big story here, is, or my big question is like, do you think you know? He said he's got something to do. Um, do we think he's involved in this plot, or is he just kind of the Kim napping threat that Kim, you know, just kind of you know the ever present Kim threat? I'm hoping they don't need to involve Kim in the overarching terrorist plot this time. Uh, so I think he might just be a singular douchebag. I don't know what the gift was that his wife was wrapping. Um, it was first somebody at his office. Right. So yeah. I, I don't know. Um, she was, you know, I, part of me was thinking maybe it you know, like maybe really it is a part of the plot because part. of how she's doing, like saying it has to be wrapped a certain way. It's like, is this a bomb? I don't know. But, well, it's all it's all horrible. Because it's, it's like, yeah. if you guys have ever, I wasn't, like, if you ever, have you ever watched a Lifetime movie, it just reminds you how shitty um dudes can be and it's just i don't I, I just it's it's all this is all awful like hitting when the child hit her head like she couldn't even cry like she couldn't make noise when she cried which made me think yeah, that, that it, was it, a it, bad it, it's real it's real real bad the and, actor playing and, megan is man that was good yeah yeah i'm hoping she wasn't actually abused so knew how to do that that would be that would be shitty um it's just like it made me want to go and make sure i like i was watching this and i couldn't get to my kids and i i wanted to just hug my sons like i just I, mm-hmm. ugh. Ah, fuck yeah, you. It was Apparently hard she's see. nine, yeah. according to the wikia. Okay. I know she's been in other stuff, too, that that actress. But, um, yeah, so that happens. And, uh, obviously, Gary's pretty unhinged. She's on the phone with someone, you know, saying that he, he will be there soon. Um, then we cut to the locker room at CTU, where apparently after Jack murdered a federal witness in cold blood with a service pistol. Someone thought it was a good idea to give him a razor blade because uh, he's standing over a sink with a shorter haircut and he has shaved Which, off. How does that make sense? You're going to infiltrate the is freshly shorn, and you're going to be freshly shaved? We see his freshly shorn baby smooth cheeks. What the shit? <laughs> you had the Kaczynski going. Stay with that, bro. Yeah, I was, you know, I was a little upset. It was, it was, but, he looks so Again, cool. this is not how, that's, that's how they know him. <laughs> that's it's true. a very certain look. Yeah. Um, so it's now 9 a.m. Um, pretty good first hour of the season, uh, I would say. Other than the, you know, the child violence. Yeah. That was unnecessary. Yeah, the, the, the whole Kim storyline is a little, it's, I mean, I get, I get that they need a storyline for her. No, but I like, just, like, I, 
Last season, they had to watch, you know, his mom get her mom get hard hard. Like now we have to deal with child abuse. Like I just I, come on, guys. Terrorism is enough. You've got it covered. That's we're good. I don't need I don't need to feel extra feels. <laughs> yeah, I don't need more. Um, yeah. So I mean, so obviously, big threat is the nuclear bomb uh, over LA. Mm-hmm. That's real bad. Do you, so you know, so obviously, so we have this the splinter group is uh, second wave is apparently responsible for it. Um, do we think there are any ties to season one? Do we, uh, you know, of course there are, you know, cause we talked about, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the last season there, Mandy was still in play. Creepy Snipefish, Snip, yeah, I can't talk. Sorry. Creepy Snipefish was still in play. Uh, the, the group of investors kind of have a chip on their shoulder regarding David Palmer. Um, you know, even the Drazens kind of had a, a larger, like kind of network still there. Do we think this is, uh, you know, kind of tied to season one I think or so. beyond just the obvious? Or no, no, I think so. I think there's a European tie to this this organization as well as uh, what's happening in Afghanistan. Um, so I'm hoping we get some clarification further on what happened in season one. Because it's not, I mean, you can, you can like, stretch it out to season three. But this isn't like an HBO show where you're kind of guaranteed to finish your story once you get season one out of the way. Like this was a, a network television show. They wanted to make sure that I think they wanted to make sure they got some of the stuff wrapped up from season one and, and two. So I, I think they're connected some way. Interesting. Um, so, well, this might take a damn. This takes a sad turn. Um, <laughs> but uh, Curtis. Yeah. So the actress who plays Megan Matheson. Uh huh. Her name is Sky McCall uh, Bartusiak. Yeah. Guess which show she made an appearance on? Law and Order, SVU. Oh, God damn it. Is she a mastermind? She's she's a goddamn terrorist. That's this is the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst news uh, ever. She was she was also in a movie with Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Uh so was someone else in this this season as well. Um I, I think uh oh, Reza, she was in the Patriot. The, the, yeah, that's oh, right. Oh fuck. Oh man. Oh, yeah, she was the the youngest daughter in the Patriot. That's uh, right. The, the Eric Raber, the actor, the Timothy Carhart. Sorry, sorry, the murder house. Day. <laughs> she didn't cry until, or didn't talk until uh, Mel walked away. Um, Timothy Carhart, the actor who plays Eric Raber, and also in a movie with Dennis Hopper. Oh, what movie? Six Degrees of Dennis Hopper. He was in Red Rock West, which I have never heard of. Nope. <laughs> I was like, I was like, if you don't say Speed or or uh, Apocalypse Now, I got nothing for you. <laughs> he was in Mar- the Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> oh shit! He was also in Air Force One. That's where I knew him from. Yeah, he was mm. the bad. He was the bad uh, Secret Service agent in Air Force One. Yeah, I don't trust that guy. Um, okay, so Curtis, starting off hour one, any any big bold predictions you got for us? Oh yeah, no, I have a big one. Um, fuck this show. I'm out. Huh? Well, that really puts a damper on things. <sighs> think about it. Sorry, y'all. I had a drink. Um. Here's what I'm thinking. Um, Gary going to die. Uh, Kim going to get in trouble. Uh, like I said, one of those CTA agents is going to die uh, who gets in to protect Kim because, well, she's Kim. Um, someone in that room with the president right now, not Rayburn, is going to be a traitor. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the new people that we've met in CTU is going to die. And they're going to try to make it seem horrible. But we won't care. Yeah, that 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 last one is probably the most. <laughs> so, what do you think? What are you thinking about the actual terrorist plot? So, here's a wrinkle. So, if it's true, obviously the show hasn't said it, but if it is the prime minister of Afghan of, of Afghanistan, 
they very clearly said Reza. Uh, yeah. Shit. I so, Reza was speaking Farsi. Right. Which is Iranian. Correct. I'm about to say they don't speak, they don't speak Not, Farsi in, 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 in Afghanistan. So. Yeah. So maybe some divergent paths already. Yeah. The terrorists um, were speaking Arabic. They made it very clear by that um, when they yeah. when they were putting the bomb together. So they want me to believe that Reza's cousin is is um the the bomb the suicide bomber Fahin, right? Um, mm-hmm. I don't believe that. Uh, do I think Reza is connected somehow? I think maybe Reza is more connected to the Afghani government than he is the terrorists. Um, and I think there's going to be somebody who's non-Arabic to the to the actual terrorists. It'd be funny if the Warners were actually part of the terrorist ring. That'd be kind of cool. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay. I don't trust nobody. Obviously, let's be, let's be fair here. Um, there's... Do you trust Michael and I anymore after we introduce you to this show? Mm-hmm. No, not at all. To be to be fair, I've never trusted y'all though. That's we are white. That's fine. It's not that you're <laughs> white. It's that you know you like you you know you you got named the most common name in 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 America. Like just you know Michael. It's a bad, it's a bad cover name. So that name's that name is declining. Mm-hmm. Overall, also, yeah. Do you do you know what Michael means, Curtis? Well, it's the name of the archangel. He who is like the Lord, yeah, we are yeah. we are blessed yeah, among yeah, men. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's an arrogant prick. Mm-hmm. Uh, is yeah, Michael? Oh, oops! Yeah, I played right into your hands. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> you know what my name means? I don't. It means courteous. So fuck y'all. <laughs> um, played right into your hands. Yeah. <laughs> it means courteous and educated. Fuck everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck all y'all! Didn't I'm see, smart. Didn't see that coming. Did you? <laughs> I am so smart. I, I want SMRT. <laughs> Noise smart. <laughs> all right. Well, um, Michael, what do you what are you thinking now at the end of episode one, season two? Uh you know, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. I I I don't remember exactly, but I think that this season the kicks off pretty good the first couple episodes oh yeah mm-hmm. also i better see more jack killing i mean he's already started off right i like it i like the mm-hmm. path he's on no no questions about assists just right after it <laughs> i think also what i like about this season is that from the this is a fully planned season mm-hmm. you know That's true also what i've learned so, is that jack doesn't understand protocol inside the the ctu building he seems to think you can just gun people down via trank or glock <laughs> Within the within the offices of CTU, which he, maybe they should give him the rule book. Um, I mean, he he need a binder this time full of gun. He just had a gun. Well, to be fair, he doesn't work there at the moment. Yeah, he just walked in and murdered a dude in cold blood. Yeah. Just straight up, just straight up walked in the office and within what twenty minutes had murdered a guy and mm-hmm. presumably cut off his head with a hacksaw. Yeah. And I gotta be honest, if that's your plan to get your old office back, which he clearly wanted, <laughs> given the the longing look he gave at it, I think there's only one more head he has to cut off to get back in it. And I don't, I don't, I don't feel good about old G Mace. That's all <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say. No, I'm not gonna lie. If the president, a sane president, called me and told me I trust you as much as anybody in the world, right? I'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm definitely gonna kill somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna get away with it. I mean, there's the president. He's my the, boy. The president so. told me to do this. So it's okay. The president told me to murder this child tip. Like, yeah, I mean, of all the people Jack could have murdered, 
He picked a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah. you know, I think I think if the guy's if the guy's crimes had been something a little bit more tame, he might have gone about it a different way. Yeah, like if the guy just had some like outstanding parking tickets, but he was the only way to get into the like the guy's like uh, inner circle was like, "Oh, Jack, that was pretty over. You could, yeah. could have figured something yeah. out, but yeah, whatever." Jack, he relished he relished in being able to kill a child molester slash child pornographer slash murderer. Right. I think there's a positive that I take every day from living in Chicago, which is a very corrupt city and a corrupt state, is that I believe. That if we were brought, if I ever went to jury duty, we were brought a case of a man who murdered a known child molester. The jury would be like, "We're gonna go with not guilty." The, be, the judge would be like, "Yeah, yeah, totes not guilty." <laughs> <laughs> but, but but he admitted to it. I don't see the evidence, y'all. Do y'all yeah, see no, it? I'm just no. Nah. We're good. All right, go fuck yourself, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been anybody. <laughs> yeah, could have been anyone. It was random gang violence. Happens all the time here. See you later. <laughs> So yeah, Cal Morris right, needs to die, and I think Jack Bauer did a, a, a great service. He's going to cut his head off, too. Um, that's going to be good. Hopefully, maybe his thumb, too. You know, thumbs up. Yeah, I, I'm worried. Like, <laughs> some, some tells me Jack won't cut off his head. I'm just very curious hey, what he is going to cut Maybe Because I'm thinking, is there a chance that his, his SUV this year has a retinal scan in it? Because they should have well, upgraded to be fair, right his, now uh, his SUV is a personal vehicle. Yeah. Well, they should give him a new SUV with upgraded CTU stuff in it, right? I mean, come on. Gotta That's get, true. Get fancy with it if he's gonna. Someone tells me Jackson get a, a sweet new ride at some point in this. Is it gonna be a season. Ford? I bet it's gonna be a Ford. It's a hundred percent. Hey, be a yeah, hope, <laughs> yeah. By the way, I hope you like Ford vehicles because uh, you're gonna see some for the next. The entire city of LA drives on Ford. That makes sense. That's totally real. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Actually, I think the villains drive uh, non-branded Chevys. Um, <laughs> But fellas, I think that's going to do it for us this week uh, to start off season two of 24. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, everyone, if you've enjoyed this this show, uh, you can find out more information at goodbuddymedia.com. Uh, you can also learn more about the other show that Michael and I do called Trends in Low Places, where we break down dumb internet stories um, every week. Uh, this week, we talked about what would happen if I woke up in Kim Jong-un's body. Mm-hmm. Mm. The... The main core of it is I would start an international dance battle mm. and win. Yep. Um, so, yeah, if you like this show, you'd almost certainly like that one. But, uh, Curtis, how else can people help us out? Yeah, y'all can help us out by finding us on your podcast app of choice, uh, whether that be iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict. No matter what you use to listen to this podcast in your daily lives, just go ahead and subscribe to our shows, whether it be uh, this fantastic show. Uh, or Trends of Low Places, our other show, Good Buddy Media. Um, subscribe, review, and rate us so that we can move up the charts and continue to build a podcast empire. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we want to do. We want to do that and then keep bringing y'all this flavor every week uh, for free and we'll uh, we'll move move up. But uh, Michael, how can they find us on the old social medias? Yeah, you can find us on El Dualcast. Uh, on Twitter and Facebook. So that's L-D-O-O-L cast. Uh, and the other way you can help us out is by liking and uh, sharing our posts or retweeting on, on Twitter. Um, that's how we get out to a lot more people. And, um, you know, that's always fun. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. Do we have an Instagram? I think we do. We do, but we don't really use it. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a Twitter. We'll make a... 
One day we'll make a YouTube video. Yeah. That'll be cool. Anytime you see That's anything cool. having to do with Gosh, us. Just... I don't know how to get that monetized at this point. I'm, I, I failed. I failed at YouTube. <laughs> We'll get it. Uh, well, after this season, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do Twitch streams of us playing the twenty four video games. Well, so mm-hmm. we have to look out we, for that. Well, I think we're gonna actually start with Battleground two, y'all. But I gotta get it set up and make sure we can actually get some money out of that situation. But yeah, we'll do that. Can't wait for that. Yeah, yeah. Pew, pew. Well, gentlemen, pew, 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 pew. Ooh, look, I'm Darth Vader. Um, well, guys, thanks for joining me once again, and uh, I I can't wait to talk. To- Curtis, you're gonna love this season. Mm-hmm. You're gonna love it. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, but fellas. We're running out of time. Toodles.